Dear family members and friends of First Lutheran Church, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our risen Lord and Savior, who comes to us even as we go down that lonesome road of loss, joins with us and gives us uplifting words of hope. In Christ Jesus, amen. His name was Cleopas. As the old saying has it, he had the world by the tail. Being part of his father's successful fishing business, but then came his father's tragic drowning in a sea squall that hit the Sea of Galilee. And Cleopas took full blame for such. And with that, he lost all inspiration. He lost the business and any sense of hope in his life. For his father was his best friend. However, some weeks later, a close friend invited him to come and hear the teaching of one Jesus of Nazareth. For word of his teaching and healing power was causing great multitudes to gather from all over Judea to Jerusalem in order to follow him. And some even thought that he was the Messiah foretold of old and so on a life-changing day, Cleopas sat with some 5,000 other people on a grassy plain on the northwest shores of Lake Galilee. Listening to Jesus proclaim that the kingdom of God is at hand. Blessed are those of you who mourn, said he, for you will be comforted, for you are children loved by God. And when he was done teaching, Cleopas saw Jesus taking but two fish and five loaves. And he blessed them, and he broke them, and he gave them, and thousands were fed. Fed with the bread of heaven that filled Cleopas with a renewed sense of life and hope. But now in our gospel text for today, we find Cleopas some three years later. Jesus had just been betrayed and crucified two days prior on a dark Friday afternoon outside the gates of Jerusalem, right before Cleopas's eyes. It was so tragic, so unbearable that all Cleopas and another disciple could do was to get out of town. So where did they go? But to a little town some seven miles from Jerusalem, a little town called Emmaus. And the reason? It's that answer that comes from your heart when you feel that any sense of a meaningful future or any sense of hope is gone. I just want to go home. Hmm? Did you hear it in our gospel text as Cleopas and the other disciple shuffle down the road with dusty sandal, murmuring perhaps four of the saddest words in all of Holy Scripture, but we had hoped. 
But we had hoped that he was the one who would redeem and save Israel. Now, wouldn't you agree if I were to say that there's not one of us here this morning who hasn't been on this road to Emmaus with them? Emmaus, that place where we go in order to escape, like a movie, a park, a drive in the countryside, or perhaps a walk through the woods. Wherever it is, we throw up our hands and say, the heck with it. Let the whole thing hang. Yes, in many ways, we too are like these early disciples, carrying an empty hole in our hearts that speak of loss. The loss of loved ones. The loss of dreams. Or perhaps the deepest loss of all, echoed in our gospel text for today, but we had hoped that he was the one. Now let me ask you, do you remember a time as well when Jesus was so real for you that you had no question about his presence in your life? He was your most intimate friend, a comforter, an inspiration, but then some hope was killed. And you don't think of him very often anymore. He's become a stranger on the road, some Emmaus road. Maybe you could even say that somehow you feel you've lost him, or worse, he's lost or forgotten you. So what do we do with this huge sense of loss that's so hard, knocking the wind out of our hopes, our dreams? We try to fill it with stuff or maybe numb it with some alcohol or just put it into some kind of air by which we strut and fret, but really signifying nothing, nothing but dishonesty. To illustrate, I love this line from Graham Greene in his novel, The Heart of the Matter. Graham writes, The man kept speaking of his gracious heart, but honestly, it seemed that a long, deep surgical operation would have been required to find it. However, there's another possibility, and that is this, for us to honestly repent and grieve our losses. For you see, to grieve, to be honest and repent is to allow our losses to soften and break apart our illusions of being self-sufficient or that we're in control. Like the hardened soil in spring that a farmer must disc and plow so that the soil and seed can be watered and planted so too the sinful and broken nature of our lives. Some of you I know have been watching the recent PBS series on the life of Ernest Hemingway. They recall a time when he was challenged to write a short story in just six words. So Hemingway supposedly went and took on this challenge by writing these words on a napkin. 
six words. For sale, baby shoes, never worn. You see, it's not just the tragedy of what happens that hurts, but the gaping hole of all that could have been, but won't. But we had hoped. My friends, the Bible is honest about our human condition. It pulls no punches. It speaks of broken hearts before there are any burning hearts, of a cross and crucifixion, of dashed hopes before the crowning good news of Jesus' resurrection, which then starts to really kick up some dust of hope. And this is where our journey of faith begins anew each time when we sing the Kyrie when we're together in worship that connects the Emmaus Road story with ours. For the word Kyrie is shorthand for Kyrie eleison, which means, Lord, have mercy. It's a grieving, contrite heart that recognizes our co-responsibility for the sin that surrounds us, but that's also inside each one of us. And so the early disciples confess, our chief priests and rulers delivered Jesus up to be condemned to death, there in verse 20. But they should have included themselves. But we had hoped, but also we are guilty of sin ourselves. And so thank God for His grace that the story of hope and salvation continues as the voice of the stranger joins Cleopas and his companion on the road, breaking in upon the dead-ended duet of their dusty despair, creating now a thrilling trio as the stranger rehearses the whole history of God keeping His promise of blessing and salvation to His people, Israel, to Abraham and Sarah, of Moses leading His people, Israel, out of captivity in Egypt, of an exodus, to the prophets foretelling of a Messiah who will come to save as a suffering servant which upsets the disciples' apple cart of hopes that had been misplaced in power and glory rather than God's steadfast promise. And as Jesus continues to speak to them, they gradually come to know that their little lives aren't as small as they'd thought, but are part of a great mystery that not only embraces many generations, but also stretches out from eternity to eternity hope, the outermost edge of faith that stands up to its knees in the past, but keeps its eyes on the future. That is, Jesus' word begins to transform their hearts from loss to a surprising hope. Did not our hearts burn within us, they say in verse 32, as he talked to us, opening us to the Scriptures. And so the disciples, even though they're not home yet, already feel at home in this presence. And they plead with him to come into their home and hearts. Stay with us, they say. Stay with us, for the day is almost over. 
You see, the Word of God creates the reality of which it speaks. It's sacramental. For example, in the book of Genesis, we're told that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what's so fascinating about this in the Hebrew language is that the words for speaking and creating are the very same word. Literally translated, we could read Genesis 1, God spoke light and light was. And so when we say that God's Word is sacramental, we mean that God's Word is full of God's very presence. Thus, on the road to Emmaus, Jesus became present through His Word. And it was this presence that transformed sadness into joy, of loss into hope. The Word did something to them. It set their cold and forlorn hearts, what? On fire. To conclude, Please note the overall wonder of the gospel of God's amazing grace and hope-filled word for human loss in this beautiful story. For in spite of all their blinding sense of hopelessness, Jesus comes to Cleopas and the other disciple on the road. He doesn't limit his post-resurrection appearance to just those with full confidence in him. Rather, he comes to the disappointed, the doubtful, those without hope. He comes to those who've given up the ghost and are headed back to the respect of Emmaus. He comes suddenly from out of nowhere like at creation, like the first clear light of sun after a thunderstorm, and our lives are never the same again. And do you know who that other disciple is with Cleopas on the road to Emmaus? St. Luke's genius is that he doesn't tell us why. In order that you might see your very self walking down that road with Jesus. God's Word in our midst, somewhere between Emmaus and here, now. My friends, Jesus never approaches from on high, but always in the midst of us in a manger, a cross, in the midst of the disciples, locked up fear with His death and resurrection, in the midst of real life and its questions, even in the loss and death of it all. And he calls us to follow. Follow me, says he. Broadcasting this over his shoulder by the power of the Holy Spirit, blending into a crowd of humanity so that in the following, we must search every face on the off chance it might be his. And we now join in the Emmaus Road of others. Finally, there's one verse in the Emmaus Road story that leads us right into the mystery of Holy Communion. It's there in verse 31. As Jesus took the bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to them, it was though Cleopas and the other disciple were sitting back on the hillside with the 5,000 on the shores of Lake Galilee. And they recognized it was Jesus. He's risen, but then he vanished from his sight. So where did he go? Where has he gone? Listen again to Scripture of Jesus' life once more that would open our eyes. This is my body, says Jesus, as he breaks the bread. Wherever two or three of you are gathered in my name, there am I with you. Or in the words of St. Paul in 1 Corinthians, 
Do you not know that you are God's temple and that Christ dwells within you? Or again in Galatians chapter 2, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who dwells in me. But the road to Emmaus doesn't stop with communion. It moves us out further on down the road into a larger community called mission. So again, where is Jesus? Listen further to his word. Truly I say to you, as you do it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you do it unto me. Let us pray. Lord, stay with us till day is done. No tears nor dark shall dim that sun. Cheer the heart, your hope impart. O Jesus on the road, be our great surprise. Amen.